Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. In the past few years, Brighton has joined many municipalities in celebrating Pride Month. It raises a pride flag like others, and has created a rainbow crosswalk like many others. There's even a pride walk put on by a local church. But this is the first time it has organized a Pride Day event. A number of residents have joined with the Peterborough AIDS Resource Network, or PARN, to put on this inaugural gathering at Memorial Park on Sunday. What's more, you will hear about the ongoing work being done in the community to support the LGBTQ2 community year-round. Besides creating safe spaces for local youth, there are plans to organize an adult group as well. Have a listen. I'm so pleased to have with me today Dane Record, the Executive Director of PARN, the Peterborough AIDS Resource Network. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you for having me. Hello. So let's start with some basics. What is PARN? What does it do? Sure. So the Peterborough AIDS Resource Network, or as most know us as PARN, we're a community-based AIDS service organization. Uh, we're headquartered in Peterborough, but we do our community work right across the four counties. So in the city and county of Peterborough, and then we're in Northumberland County, Core of the Lakes, and Halliburton County. The work that we do, we provide HIV support for people living with HIV, AIDS, and related co-infections. And then through our prevention work, we work with with the mentioned folks, and we also do hepatitis C prevention outreach. Much of the work that we that we do, and that we're probably most popular or, or known for, is the work that we do around harm reduction. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, but it's important to note that in HIV and Hep C prevention work, harm reduction. So be it the distribution of whether it be uh, one-to-one conversation, just providing some education and, and information on how to blank safely. Um, so be it through um, safer sex kits. So um, how to be uh, safer in sexual activity, um, harm reduction kits. Uh, so inhalation or inhalation drug use, um, injection kits for injection drug use. Um, also with our snorting kits and such. Um, for for those that like to snort and or swallow, we provide information and education just to to reduce the the risks and, and additional harms um, that could be related to and associated with the work that we historically do in HIV prevention. I think uh, this the aspect of sexual relations most listeners would uh, associate and understand. In the area of harm reduction, maybe not everybody understands how someone could get AIDS in that scenario. Could 
Would you be kind enough to just explain to the listeners how that works? Sure. So um, it's HIV, so the human immune deficiency virus. And for for HIV to to be transmitted, there needs to be a host and a, a party, if you will. So if there is an individual who who is HIV positive, has has the virus in their system, um, and the virus may be very active. Um, in interactions, so be it condomless intercourse, uh, where there are no barriers, um, injection drug use, so maybe sharing um, sharing a a piece of drug use equipment, um, inhalation kits. So uh, there could be a case where where there's cuts or sores, where where uh, blood is present, um, there is that risk of transmission, that risk of exposure. Um, it's important to note that for one to test HIV positive, to, to be deemed HIV positive, they got to test for HIV. And there are a number of resources available. There is the self-testing kits that are available that can be had online. There's always the sexual health clinics uh, run by uh, the HKPR district health unit as well. Um, family, if there's family physicians, um, GPs, um, emergency room is available. So um, in context of this conversation, if one were to go to NHH, um, in the case of a say like a needle stick injury or a a a risk of of um, HIV exposure, one could go to the emergency room and ask for post exposure prophylaxis or PEP um, immediately because with PEP um, in the context of HIV it works best within seventy two hours. So if there is an interaction where where exposure is present, um, it's best to to connect um, at the ER within seventy two hours, and they will provide a they'll ask a number of questions before administering because it's expensive, and then um, it'll be provided for for the individual as well as some some follow up follow up care uh, just to make sure that. Um, the risk of transmission is non-existent in that window. Do we have any idea the numbers of people who have AIDS in Northumberland County? Um, not necessarily the number of people living with AIDS. Um, the numbers of people living with HIV, um, those numbers we do have, we don't share them. Um, we, we, as an organization, hold to um, our need to provide confidential services and confidential spaces. And, and with that confidentiality, it gives our, our service users, those living with and those at risk, the confidence to connect with us as, as an organization um, with regard to their, their HIV and, and Hep C um, education and information. What I can tell you is that uh, the information is is publicly available um, through public health, Ontario Public Health, as well as um, HKPR. The health unit provides um, annual statistics, which would provide that information.
So it's not secretive. It's just not something that organizationally we share. But it is because HIV is a reportable chronic illness. Uh, we do, we we are required, not us PARN, but um, this, any, any organizations, clinical orgs, for example, are required to have that information uh, on the ready. Would we be surprised once we learn the numbers? Is it... I don't think so. I don't think so. The, the state of, of HIV and HIV exposures now, um, the virus isn't over. HIV isn't over. If it was, we wouldn't exist. Uh, but the way in which HIV is, is um, being understood, being, being traveled, um, it's, it's a little different than pre-1996. So before um, highly active antiretrovirals were, were available or meds, as we call it. Um, somebody living with, with HIV who is hooked up to, to clinical services, so has a doctor, has a nurse, an infectious disease doctor and nurse, who is on treatment and who adheres to the treatment regimen. If an individual living with HIV is sticking to the regimen and can achieve a the lowest viral load that they can, if not an undetectable viral load, so undetectable from a clinical clinical and and scientific sense is um, the virus is is can't be seen can't be seen in in, um, in in a typical microscope, but it is still present in the body. Um, that means that the body the body is not transmitting the virus. Um, a low viral viral load of so somebody who who may not be able to achieve undetectable, but has a low viral load also has a very very high unlikelihood of transmitting the virus um, in the event of a um, condomless encounter or a needle stick or or any other incident where there may be transmission. Now, how did you get connected with Brighton and the upcoming Pride event? They called me. Um, they called Parn. So uh, the work that, that we do, um, we have our Rainbow Youth Program, which has been ongoing for well over a decade. We work with, with young people um, who, who self-identify as 2SLGBTQ+, and, and are just seeking a space where they can feel comfortable, where they can be themselves, they can be active, they can be weird, they can, they can connect with other young people. We provide those spaces, and folks in Brighton knew that we we provided those spaces and so an opportunity uh, an opportunity came to uh, just connect together and to create some spaces in in Brighton some safer spaces just for for young people who who want to feel safer to name their spaces and to identify um, some of the things that they may need for for their own selves in their own area and so we we came along and and you know, took a 
took a quick glance of the community uh, lay of the land and and we landed on a number of opportunities and we said hey let's let's do a thing so uh, june 11 we're going to be doing doing an event um pop-up pride in brighton um in the afternoon at the memorial park there and it'll be a good time we're not expecting there to be thousands of people um but so long as there there's a few people who want to feel at home in a safe space, we're here and or we will be there to provide that for them. How long has the relationship between yourselves and, and Brighton existed? Um, from an organizational standpoint, probably a few months. Um, previously, we have done a number of informal things with with Brighton and Crammy, but from a from a if you want to say larger scale, such as an event, this would be the first one that that uh, Parn has been involved with. Why is it important to have events like this? To have spaces that young people can go to to, uh, as you described, to be themselves. Safety, awareness, and and that ability to be seen and to be safe. It is, it's a different time than, than probably what we're accustomed to. And the, the overt and covert um, harm, violence, internal stigma that's associated with, with being a young person these days, I will never understand it. Um, but what I do understand is that spaces can be provided and spaces can be led by young people and by the folks in which they 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 want to move along with and so uh, when we when we get involved um, orgs such as parn are asked to to connect and and get involved with creating opportunities we really we have we have just our our list of things but the biggest piece in in that list is the opportunity to listen. We got two ears, um, and and if they're working and if our eyes are working, then you know lips sealed. We're just listening and helping to build. Now the event that's taking place this upcoming Sunday, um, I understand that there's all kinds of different events. There's a lip sync. There's some arts and crafts. Tell us a bit more about uh, what we could expect if we came out. Sure. So, so folks are coming coming outside on on Sunday. Um, if you know the words to your favorite tune, come on out. And and there is a lip syncing competition. Um, the mayor is going to be there as one of the judges, and and you can come and pick your tune and go on and perform. And you can perform as you are, or or as you as you present we do not judge we do not care we just want you to come out and have a great time it's a family family atmosphere family led um atmosphere and and community led where folks just come as you are there's going to be some face painting there'll be some some light refreshments barbecue and such we'll have some artwork art is a a major piece of, of lgbtq history and so for folks to be able to um, come and just do some collaborative artwork in in the community with their neighbors, it's a great thing, and and we'll be able to um, with with the okay of folks uh, post the the images, the artwork, the posters, what have you, 
in storefronts, participating storefronts. We don't know who they are yet, but um, there are participating um, storefronts which want to display uh, people's work and and meaningfully show um, their support and and connection and allyship um, with young young queer folks and and older queer folks as well um, in Brighton and area. You were recently at an event in Brighton where the mayor raised a flag. Can you share with us the significance of your inclusion in this event? Sure. So um, brief as it was, it was it was very significant. It's really significant to to be able to on June first of every year um, raise the the pride flag uh, now the progressive pride flag um, in any municipality. Um, what it shows is is not just a a symbol of inclusion, but the meaningful act of being present and being available um, for folks if there if there's conversation wanted, information sought. And so being able to to connect with with the mayor and a couple of members of council um, to um, to see the flag, raise the flag and and connect. We had a board member there as well. Um, it, it just further adds to why it's important for orgs such as PARN uh, to be out in, in any and all communities we're invited. Because if the flag's going up and we're being asked to arrive, it's because there is a need. And we show up where we're wanted. Um, sometimes we show up where we're needed. Yeah, but we we're always available for for conversation. We don't need to have all the answers, and and it's not a hundred percent that we will. But we can always provide direction and honest information for for folks in the community. You mentioned as part of your answer something called the Progressive Pride Flag. For those who don't know what that is, would you mind telling us what it is? Sure. So the Progressive Pride Flag. What it is is it's. It's now inclusive of of all folks who, who identify as um, as lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, transgendered, um, intersex, asexual, um, queer identified folks, um, recognizing the history of, of LGBTQ history in in Ontario and Canada. So recognizing that we have Black queer folks, we have um, as mentioned two spirit two spirit Indigenous folks. Um, we have intersex, asexual folks, and um, the the progressive pride flag is a little different from uh, what folks may may know as the traditional pride flag. Um, biggest difference there's a there's a triangle, and there's a circle, purple circle. Brighton has created a rainbow crosswalk a rainbow bench in the past few years. Do you think Brighton is an inclusive community? You know what, with the, with the crosswalk and, and a bench and, and if they're being maintained, so, uh, you know, like if it's starting to fade, put some paint down. If it's being defaced, deal with that and not in the bad way, but get it maintained, clean it up repaint, show that solidarity. Brighton will always be a welcoming and inclusive community. I don't live in Brighton, so I'm, I'm not 
in a position to say whether whether Brighton is or not. But what I can say is that having a crosswalk, having a bench, maintaining such, flying the flag, um, and even flying the flag in the face of of opposition. Brighton is an inclusive community. There are folks willing to be present, to be available. And when, when communities can, can do such things such as name, maintain, and, and just participate in inclusive and equitable activities such as uh, pride events, I think there's, there's at least a step in the right direction. Many people have a diverse interpretation of the significance of Pride Month. Why is Pride Month important to you? It's important to me as a as an individual who who does this work, lives in the work. Um, historically, folks have been have been othered and marginalized in many areas. Um, myself, living in in a uh, larger area than Brighton, um, I, I see see it see it happening daily. Uh, whether you know, quietly with the with the little online online jabs here and there, or you know, hearing folks calling people all sorts of names, um, or young people um, just you know, wanting to live their best lives in the current life that they're at. Um, it, it's it's vital as an individual, um, as myself, to to bring it every day because in my neighborhood, if I wasn't able to to step up, stand stand up and say, "Hey, don't be like that," to to the neighbors or hey let people do their thing and just educate then i can't do that in other neighborhoods i can't do that in this work really this work the work that i do is is just a larger scale a paid scale if you will of being a good neighbor and and that's really important for me um to just continue to be a good neighbor that's how i came up and just happens to be what what my profession is right now. So I love it. You've alluded to this a couple of times and I'd like to explore it a little bit more, but recently there's been a backlash against pride celebrations. We've witnessed at various schools across Ontario, things going on. We see some of it on social media locally. First of all, what is your reaction to these occurrences and, and what can communities do to respond? Certainly. So um, one of the things that, that communities can do is to not be silent on on the lateral violence and, and just the violence overall um, against people who are continually made vulnerable for the sake of being being themselves. Um, like these these demonstrations and these actions against against um, for example, drag time drag queen story time, drag story time. Um, Hollywood has been banking on drag performances for a good hundred plus years. 
and John and Jane Q public have been paying their dollars to enjoy all of it. And so for, for folks to be out in the community to, to really just be a princess for a day or you know, dress up as a fantasy character for a day and read a story to folks shouldn't be an issue. There's no, there's no risk of, oh, it's going to be this big raunch fest. Like folks know what they're doing and the performers know their audiences. They know what they're up to. They know what they're up against with the opposition of the communities. Um, and, and not everybody in the community, just so we're not painting with a big brush. It is important though that for those that loud minority um, to be, for them to be really drowned out by the majority of the community. And just to say, hey, this, this hate is not welcome here. This hate is not wanted here. These are our neighbors. These are our peers. These may be our, our family members. And whether or not we're, we're down with it, they are still our neighbors and, and they need to be able to have a space where they can be themselves, live their best lives, and and be entertained. It's not Hollywood. We're in we're in you know big town, small town, and it's a free service that that entertainers and performers are providing for young people to just be imaginative and and have a good time. That's just drag story time, but it's important that I took a little time on that because that's a lot of where where the backlash has been happening see it happening and where I'm where I'm speaking from today in Peterborough we saw it happening this past weekend in, in Pickering Ontario where where we have just packs of folks who who want to communicate their their message of homophobia their message of hate uh, they may not say it's hate we're looking out for for our young people listen young people will will dictate and illustrate their lives at, as they go and they don't need any further help from people who have hate in their heart okay so going out and and displaying got to choose my words here um the community foolishness of of um heteronormativity of white supremacy which it is and of of just being a bad neighbor is not a good look in any community. And it's vital that we all as neighbors tell that hate to go to go back underground, go home and stay offline too. We hear a lot about equity, diversity, and inclusion these days, and it's impacting workplaces and institutions, businesses, and a wide range of spaces in our everyday lives. If you were to give advice to anyone who is challenged by these efforts, what would it be? Breathe. Ask questions and accept the responses. This is not the spaces, these are not the spaces of yesteryear. We have folks doing the work, being the neighbors, 
being our service providers, folks may not look like you and I, but they are our neighbors. Racism is a thing. And when we're and when folks are throwing out equity, diversity, and inclusion, racism is a thing that happens when talking about equity, talking about inclusion, talking about diversity. And we really need to, all of us need to check ourselves in addressing our own internalized fill in the blank. But we need to breathe first before we open our mouths. Just I want to come back time. to the event if I can, please. For sure. Uh, this past Sunday, there was a pride walk led by Trinity St. Andrews United Church in Brighton. We talked earlier about some of the events, the flag raising and those crosswalk and the bench. These kinds of things happen in Pride Month and are very important. But what about the other 11 months of the year? Is this really enough? And what more do you hope to see happen in Brighton? Certainly. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it's just a month. Pride is 365. Identity is 365. Speaking only for myself, I can't wipe this off. I need to be able to, to move and function in spaces authentically. Folks who identify a little different from the hetero norm need to be able to, to move and function, live, work, and play 365 days a year add a day every four years. And so for a month to celebrate, it it's it's a beautiful month. But for those other eleven, there are there are opportunities abound to to recognize neighbors and inclusion and inclusionary opportunities. We have our trans day of remembrance that happens in in November. We have our spirit days that happen in September. We have we have our our days and moments and weeks of violence um, that happen throughout the year um, in November and December and March. We have Trans Day of Visibility, bi bisexual visibility um, days. We have Black Mental Health Days, as well as other opportunities that come up. An entire calendar year, while we're in June right now, and we're and we're talking about the month, and much of the energy happens in a month. There's a whole year where where folks still need to live, work, play, live, exist, and any spaces of, of which they occupy. And so um, we recognize those days and we acknowledge those days. We meaningfully acknowledge and recognize um, that that we have neighbors and, and communities that are looking out for us in, in, in community, that may be looking out for organizations such as, as PARN, that may be looking to, to connect with other organizations, other resources to see folks, to see queer kids, 
to say, hey, like, is there an opportunity to, to hear what we need so our neighbors aren't at risk of, of whether it be self-harm, violence, um, suicide, violence, other associated harms. So what about going forward, though, for the young people? You mentioned the Rainbow Club earlier. Do you have any idea of what's going to happen next? Sure, certainly. So so following, following the event on the 11th, um, there will be uh, some spaces identified. Uh, we do have a number of spaces already identified. I'm not going to re reveal them at this time, but we do have a number of safe spaces that are are out there in Brighton uh, for young people to to drop in and to hang out. Um, we want to establish them a bit more, so so more young people, um, more queer folks can can come and create a um, a greater sense of home, a greater place to to feel welcome, meaningfully welcome. And you know, talking about the Rainbow Youth Program, um, we're talking about um, young young folks. There are also older older folks that live in Brighton too. Older older queer folks who who have families, established businesses, have moved back. Um, maybe are are moving into to just you know sunset their careers, their lives. Um, we have spaces and opportunities to to build and create meaningfully inclusive spaces. And from, from Parn's standpoint, we want to, in, in our strat, strategic planning process, we want to meaningfully include um, areas such as Brighton in the way we do our community development work going forward. If there's a message you'd like to send out to listeners about the upcoming Pride event. Come on out, have a good time. Leave your hate at home. Dane Record, thank you so much for talking to me today. To you, thank you, and thank you all. That was Dane Record, Executive Director of PARN, that is the Peterborough AIDS Resource Network. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.